It's Saturday, December the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up. Study finds Omicron is as severe as Delta, and Russia issues demands for Ukraine. First, the week in brief. A new study by researchers at Imperial College London found no evidence of a difference in severity between the Omicron variant of COVID-19 and the Delta variant. The risk of reinfection, however, is 5.4 times higher. Previous infection or a two-dose vaccine regimen offer no more than 20% protection against symptomatic cases of Omicron, but a booster from an mRNA jab can push this figure up to 55 to 80%. Omicron is quickly supplanting other strains. It now dominates in England, accounting for 54% of cases. Public health agencies logged record infections on Friday in Britain, New York State and elsewhere. A Biden administration mandate that large firms must ensure their employees are COVID vaccinated or tested weekly was reinstated. A federal appeals court panel overturned a previous ruling that it be paused. Some 84 million workers could be subject to the requirement, which is due to come into force in January. The matter may now head to the Supreme Court. Russia released a list of demands that it wants the West to agree to ease tensions on its border with Ukraine, where Russia has massed tens of thousands of troops. They include a ban on Ukraine joining NATO and a limit to the deployment of NATO troops in the region. Russia's government has previously said failure to agree to the proposal would lead to a, quote, military response. Rumours that schools in America were about to be attacked which spread virally on TikTok and prompted classrooms across the country to close, were not credible, according to both the social media firm and authorities. Two people were arrested in relation to the posting of the threats, which appear to have been an ill-advised prank. A low-dose version of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine failed to produce an adequate immune response in children aged 2 to 5, the company said. Two jabs, each with a tenth of the adult dose, produced desirable antibody levels in kids under two, but not in those a bit older. The vaccine makers will try giving them a third shot. Friedrich Merz won the contest to lead Germany's centre-right Christian Democratic Union after the resignation of Armin Laschet, who led the party to a dismal defeat in elections in September. A long-time CDU man, Mr Mertz is spiky and combative, in contrast to the consensual style of Angela Merkel, another predecessor. For the first time in 16 years, the CDU is in the opposition. Britain signed a free trade deal with Australia, which eliminates tariffs on British exports and is expected to generate £10.4 billion, 13.8 billion US dollars of additional trade between the two countries. Dan Tayen, the Australian trade minister, described the deal as quote a true free trade agreement in which quote everyone wins. However, some British farmers are concerned that they may now be undercut by cheaper imports. 
And word of the week, Varroa destructor, a parasitic mite that feeds on honeybees, weakening their immune systems and shortening their lifespans. Beekeepers may have inadvertently helped the plague spread. And now, here's today's agenda. The Kennedy Center honors herald a new era. During his tenure in the White House, Donald Trump skipped the Kennedy Center honors, which celebrate achievement in the performing arts. This year, at the first proper ceremony since the pandemic, Joe Biden was greeted with a standing ovation. It took place earlier this month and will be broadcast on CBS, an American television network, on Wednesday. Very nice to see the presidential box once again being occupied, quipped the comedian David Letterman. The same with the Oval Office. Those honoured this year include Berry Gordy, the founder of Motown Records, Lorne Michaels, the creator of Saturday Night Live, and Joni Mitchell, a Canadian singer-songwriter. The choice of Mr Michaels seems particularly apposite. Mr Trump rallied against his portrayal on the sketch comedy show. Mr Biden, by contrast, says he likes to be lampooned. If you can't laugh at yourself, we're in real trouble, he told Mr Michaels. And you make me laugh at myself a lot. A Forbidden Orange revisits a Kubrick classic. Fifty years ago, Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of A Clockwork Orange shocked the world with its dystopian, violent take on juvenile delinquency and psychiatric treatment. Several countries banned it, including Spain, led by Francisco Franco. When Franco's regime ended four years later, Kubrick's film had its first public screening in the country at the Valladolid Film Festival. It sold out immediately. Valladolid was then one of Spain's most conservative cities. A new documentary recounts how festival planners orchestrated the screening of such a subversive film and the pushback they got. A Forbidden Orange, released on Friday on HBO Max in America and TCM in Spain, considers how cultural projects were made political in 20th century Spain. It must have taken the festival director a lot of courage to go ahead and show this film, knowing the controversy it would generate, says Malcolm McDowell, who narrates the documentary and played the protagonist in Kubrick's movie. All power to them. COVID v Sport Once again, COVID-19 is playing havoc with professional sport. Over the past week, matches have been postponed in the National Basketball Association and the National Hockey League in America and the English Premier League. More than 70 players in America's National Football League tested positive on Monday and Tuesday. Leagues have announced stricter protocols, with vaccine mandates for fans as well as boosters and regular testing for players all being rolled out or under consideration. This is all despite high inoculation rates. The NBA says 97% of its players are vaccinated. The NFL says around 95%. Leagues are loath to suspend games. 
Halting or cancelling competitions proved expensive in 2020 because of lost ticket sales and the cost of reimbursing broadcast rights holders. But the prospect of threadbare squads facing fixture pile-ups, i.e. lots of games in quick succession, is also not attractive. Another difficult winter awaits. A Space Telescope's Nerve-Wracking Countdown NASA's James Webb Space Telescope, the biggest ever built, is being readied for blast-off from French Guiana on Christmas Eve. The telescope is 14 years late and dramatically over budget, costing nearly 10 billion US dollars. Deploying it far beyond the moon will be the trickiest robotic feat ever attempted in space. Ground controllers will unfold five tennis court-sized sun shields and 18 mirror panels. The latter must then be precisely bent to focus light into a beam that strikes a smaller mirror. This robotic origami could be foiled by any of 344 single-point failure manoeuvres. A helium cyrocooler must also chill some sensors nearly to absolute zero, the temperature at which molecular motion stops. But if all goes well, in six months, NASA and its partners will see infrared imagery in unprecedented detail. From its perch at a gravitationally stable spot known as L2, the web will capture nearby exoplanets and quasars billions of light-years away. Weekend Profile Eric Adams, New York's next mayor. When he was 15 years old, Eric Adams was beaten by police in Queens, New York. He later joined the city's police department, where he rose to captain while protesting against racism and misconduct by the force. After serving for 22 years, he hung up his uniform and entered politics, first as a state senator and later as Brooklyn's borough president. Last year, he launched his winning mayoral campaign outside the police station where he was assaulted. He made fighting crime his focus. Unlike his progressive rivals, who wanted to defund the department, he wants to reform it. The message resonated with New Yorkers. Murders this year are up by 45% from 2019. His swearing-in on January 1st will take place in Brooklyn, not at City Hall, as is tradition. That is in keeping with Mr Adams's focus on the outer boroughs. He built a multiracial coalition and courted working-class voters, whom he reminded of his own roots. His mother was a cleaner with three jobs. He intends to take the subway and cycle. The current mayor, Bill de Blasio, gets driven to the gym. He has no plans to redecorate the mayoral digs. All I need is a mattress on the floor, says the 61-year-old. New Yorkers will chuckle at the quip. He famously slept on a mattress in his Brooklyn office, prompting head-scratching and rumours about his real residence during the campaign. Some speculated it was in New Jersey, where his partner lived. Mr Adams inherits a city that has not recovered from COVID. The unemployment rate, 9%, is more than double the national average. Storefronts are shut, 
Tourists are absent and only 28% of Manhattan desk workers are in the office on a given weekday. Encouragingly, Mr Adams has a good relationship with Wall Street. A nightclub fan, he intends to eat out nightly to support struggling restaurants and bars. Crime is still a worry. As he says, no one will come to New York if a child can be shot in Times Square, as happened in May. Mr Adams, who is said to have begun plotting his mayoral ascent decades ago, will soon bear responsibility for the city's revival. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Paul Klee, who was born on this day in 1879. A drawing is simply a line going for a walk. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 